Thank you for watching NTD Business Top Stories tonight. President Biden delivered his second State of the Union address in front of a divided Congress. What do you say on the economy and his policy? And why were Republican lawmakers pushing back on his statements? New York Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis responds to the State of the Union address. She says she's happy the president acknowledged the need for fossil fuels, but she hopes he backs that up with actual policy to increase energy production. The IRS advising what you should do if you got a special payment last year from your state. Should you wait to file? And Google unveiling new features today at a live event in Paris. They include BARD, its response to ChatGPT, as well as big changes to Google Lens and Google Maps. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. President Biden gave his second State of the Union address last night. He focused on his vision for the economy, infrastructure, and support for Ukraine. The president urged members of Congress to unite and work with him on his path forward. While Biden drew rounds of applause from the room, the night also had its fair share of hecklers. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Biden's speech. Finish the job. That was one of President Biden's key messages from Tuesday's State of the Union address. We've been sent here to finish the job, in my view. He used the phrase at least 13 times during his 73-minute speech. The president touted low unemployment rates and job creation. Biden claimed the U.S. is in the strongest position it's been in decades to compete with China or anyone else in the world. He says the choices made over the last several years have formed a blue-collar blueprint to rebuild America and that his economic plan is to invest in places and people that feel invisible and left behind during the economic upheaval of the past four decades. We're building an economy where no one's left behind. Jobs are coming back. Pride is coming back. But some Republicans disagreed with statements the president was making and let him know vocally. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. You got it. Displeasure could be seen on House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's face as Biden suggested Republicans want to take the economy hostage unless he agrees to their economic plans. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. Biden took the response as a show of unanimity. So, folks, as we all apparently agree, Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? They're not to be sponsored. All right. He got a standing ovation from the room on that point. Biden finished the night by saying he's never been more optimistic about the future of America and declared that the State of the Union is strong. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Joining me now to talk about President Biden's State of the Union address is Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. She's on the House Committee on Ways and Means and Conservative Climate Caucus. Now, Congresswoman, Biden yesterday said we're going to need oil for at least another decade and beyond. Now, is Biden signaling a policy change? Because during his campaign, President Biden said he was going to end fossil fuels. 
Well, look, uh, I think uh, the president has to face reality that we're going to need all diverse sources of energy, okay? Um, I would say in constituents that I represent and most Americans, uh, they believe that we should be moving towards clean energy, but not to the exclusion of our traditional sources of energy, right? Oil, gas. We, we, we need to make sure that we have all types of energy available to the American people for both reliability, for cost, uh, for affordability, right, and as well as our independence. And so, um, look, I was happy to hear that he acknowledged that uh, we're going to continue to need those traditional sources. And I hope he backs that up with actual policy that will ramp up our domestic energy production and invest in key infrastructure like the Keystone uh, pipeline uh, to get it across the country. We are seeing uh, record levels of uh, high utility cost, gas prices are still much up high, higher than they were when this president took office. We see diesel uh, fuel, which is a heating fuel in the Northeast that is um, very much at its lowest rates in, in a long time. And so uh, we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure there's a reliable, reliable and affordable energy for American families and their businesses because they're getting hit the hardest. Right. And speaking of uh, high gas prices, I think President Biden yesterday actually indirectly, indirectly blamed the oil producers for high gas prices for their not investing in production. But Congresswoman, we know the Biden administration canceled oil drilling leases. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, they've sat on permits, they've sat on leases, they killed the Keystone Pipeline, which would have provided thousands of good paying jobs. Uh, they have discouraged companies from expanding their operations and producing uh, more energy because uh, they fear that uh, this this is a anti-traditional uh, energy administration that is just going to continue to hinder productivity and make it more difficult for us to use our natural resources here in this country. It's why we've seen this uh, these, these prices skyrocket is because of the anti-energy policies that have come out of this administration since day one. Remember, we didn't have this problem, right? We didn't have this problem before this president came along and put those executive orders in. So that just tells you everything you need to know. Uh, if this was really an issue because of the, the corporations, we would have been paying high gas prices all along. These gas prices, fuel prices, they are factored into to food prices. That's one of the reasons why food costs are so high. You got transport these goods using fuel. You have to refrigerate them using energy. And so that's why the American uh, taxpayers paying so much now at the supermarkets and, of course, when they receive their own utility bills, heating costs, uh, electric electricity costs have all skyrocketed as a result of the policies of this administration. And speaking of taxpayers, right, he said yesterday the tax system is not fair. Is that how you see it? Well, I don't think the tax system is fair, but maybe not for the same reasons. I think that uh, the tax system is not fair is because they're constantly squeezing money uh, out of hardworking uh, Americans to pay for a very mismanaged and bloated government. Look no further than my city of New York City that is once again increasing property tax bills to pay for the housing of those who are in this country illegally. Um, they are paying for the mismanagement of our city government that can't even keep New Yorkers safe. They, they are misplaced priorities. They have the biggest bloated budget and the state as well. And so we're looking at now at the federal government. There is $31 trillion debt 
that the taxpayers are on the hook for. Uh, and it is because they have misspent money today in ways and means. We had a hearing. $400 billion in unemployment fraud. $11 billion in the state of New York in uh, fraud, fraudulent claims, by the way, that came from China, came from Russia, Nigeria, and of course, domestically as well. People using those unemployment funds that they obtained fraudulently to purchase villas and mansions and charter jets and Rolls Royces and luxury goods. We need to get that money back for the taxpayers. It's a disgrace the way our tax dollars have been wasted. So let's respect the taxpayers, and then there won't be the need to increase taxes on anybody. All right. Thank you very much, Congresswoman Maliotakis. Appreciate your time today. It's great to be with you. Thank you. A new report shows U.S. consumers might be getting more cautious about spending money. Numbers from the Federal Reserve show outstanding credit saw the lowest increase since January 2021. An analyst with Bankrate says consumers are becoming reluctant to buy expensive physical goods. Spending on services like meals out and travel has been more robust. Bank rate numbers show 46% of credit card holders carry a balance from month to month. This is all while the average card fee hitting a record high of almost 20%. Are you rushing to file your taxes early? Well, according to the IRS, you might want to wait. That's because of all those state relief checks doled out in 2022. Last year, a total of 18 states handed out some sort of rebate, and the IRS isn't quite sure how to tax those on the federal level yet. In this next story, a tax expert explains this and gives other helpful tax tips. If you live in a state that issued some sort of rebate last year, experts say you should hold off on rushing to file your taxes. That's because the IRS is still scratching their heads over how to tax them. While the checks handed out by states likely won't be taxed at the state level, they may be subject to income tax at the federal level. The, the IRS is going state by state and looking at the details of these proposals or these, uh, the, you know, the details of these rebate checks and deciding whether they're taxable. And it's coming late in the process. Uh, that is the fundamental problem here. At least 18 states issued a special payment of some kind in 2022. Jared Walksack from the Tax Foundation says they were for a variety of reasons. Uh, sometimes it's been about inflation, sometimes it's just the money. In a couple of states, uh, it's been targeted, uh, maybe for, say, uh, individuals with children. But what should you do if you already filed and you received one of those checks? The standard way to approach this is an amended return, but don't do it yet because you want to wait to know what the IRS tells you to do. You don't want to do this three times. With the ever-changing tax code, Waxag says there's another thing to look out for this year. Be aware of the way that this post-pandemic era has changed how you live and work. Uh, generally speaking, states can tax you where you live and where you earn income. This is the downside, the trade-off with the flexibility a lot of people have with remote work or flexible work arrangements that they may owe taxes to multiple states. Google has just revealed a slate of new features for its services at a live event in Paris, and we're going to highlight some of them. Chief among those features was Google Bard. Bard is Google's direct response to Microsoft's ChatGPT. Both BARD and ChatGPT are AI chatbots. These are programs that simulate conversations with humans. You can give them any question or command, and they're supposed to deliver perfect or near-perfect responses. When ChatGPT came out late last year, it generated massive interest across the world. Some thought it could even replace Google search. 
So naturally, Google was under heavy pressure to respond. You'll be able to interact with Bart to explore complex topics, collaborate in real time, and get creative new ideas. For example, let's say you're in the market for a new car, one that's a good fit for your family. Bart can help you think through different angles to consider from budget to safety and more, and simplify and make sense of them. Bart's suggestion to consider fuel type might spark your curiosity. So you can ask it to explain the pros and cons of buying an electric car and get helpful insights. We all know that once you buy a new car, you'll have to plan a road trip. Bart can help you plan your road trip so you can take your new car out for a spin. Bard and ChatGPT are similar, but with key differences. ChatGPT doesn't know anything beyond the year 2021. Bard, on the other hand, has data that is up to date. But Google's response to ChatGPT is far from perfect. In one of Bard's first advertisements, it delivered wrong information. In the ad, Google was showing off Bard by asking it this, what new discoveries from the James Webb Space Telescope can I ask Can I tell my nine-year-old? One of the responses Bard gave was that the James Webb Space Telescope took the very first pictures of an exoplanet outside our solar system. But astronomers quickly pointed out that this fact was wrong. It was actually the European Southern Observatory's very large telescope that first took the photo. Google's shares nosedived 8% upon this news. But you need to keep in mind that Google is still testing BARD. It's likely to to be released in the coming weeks. Now onto some of the other features that Google revealed. It will also add generative AI to Google search. One problem Google search currently faces is that sometimes people ask it questions where there's no one right answer. Take this question, for example. What are the best constellations to look for when stargazing? You know, for these types of questions, Google believes that users want to explore a diverse range of perspectives. So soon, if you ask, what are the best constellations to look for when stargazing, new generative AI features will help us organize complex information and multiple viewpoints right in search results. With this, you'll be able to quickly understand the big picture and then go on to explore different angles. So say this new information on constellations piques your interest. You can dig deeper, for instance, to learn what time of year is best to see them and explore further on the web. And big changes are coming to Google Maps as well. There will be new features that provide more information in a more immersive way. We're transforming Google Maps once again, evolving our 2D map into a multi-dimensional view of the real world that comes alive starting with Immersive View. Immersive View is a brand new way to explore that's far more natural and intuitive. It uses AI to fuse billions of street view and aerial images to create a rich digital model of the world, letting you truly experience a place before you step inside. You'll be able to virtually soar over any building, find the entrances, and get a feeling for what the area is like. With a time slider, you can see what it looks like at different times of day, or what the weather will be like. You can also enter certain buildings and check out the inside vibe. There will also be a new feature called Search with Live View. This is an augmented reality tool that tells you what's around you. 
I'm out here scoping out the neighborhood. Whenever I come to a new city, I'm always on the hunt for great coffee. So let's see what I can find. Tapping on the camera icon in the search bar, I'm able to see coffee shops, as well as other categories of places like restaurants, bars, and stores. I can even see places that are out of my field of view. So I'm really able to get a, a sense of what this neighborhood has to offer at a glance. Google is also implementing and if you can see it, you can search it feature to Google Lens. Soon, we'll be able to use Google Lens to search what we see in photos and videos across all websites and apps. For example, you're watching a video and you see an interesting looking building. Google Lens will be able to tell you what that building is and give you more information about it. This feature will be released in the coming months. Moving on, the Treasury Department today warned banks and other financial institutions about the risks of the increased use of cloud or remote computing services. NTD's Sean Marshall takes a look at cloud vulnerabilities. U.S. Treasury Department officials are urging the financial sector to address potential challenges in using cloud computing services. In a report on Wednesday, officials warned that failure to do so could leave companies and their customers vulnerable. The risk is particularly critical for small and medium-sized financial institutions, the department said. Cloud computing is the on-demand availability of computer system resources, especially data storage and computing power, without direct active management by the user. Issues that the Treasury Department found include exposure to possible cyber incidents that could jeopardize the confidentiality, integrity, or availability of digital information, industry-wide dependence on a small number of cloud providers, lack of tech workers available to help financial institutions with cloud services, among other challenges, the officials said. Michael Gibbs, CEO of GoCloud Careers, says that diversifying storage locations could help reduce risks in the cloud. The key is making sure we don't put all of our eggs in one basket, meaning a single cloud like AWS, Azure, or Google. As long as we spread the load across multiple clouds, we should have a good, high availability, high, high performance storage solution. I asked Gibbs about the dangers of hackers when dealing with cloud systems. It's not the, it's not the cloud provider's problem, it's the people that are using it that are improperly trained. So if we've got a properly trained and architected security solution, then it's really no different if we're in the cloud than any other data center. Coincidentally, this past Sunday, Italy's National Cybersecurity Agency warned that thousands of computer servers were targeted in a global ransomware hacking attack on VMware ESXi servers. Servers were compromised in other European countries, such as France and Finland, as well as in the United States and Canada. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Onto Wall Street. Stocks ended down today with tech-focused shares leading the way lower. The Dow fell 207 points or 0.6 percent. S&P dropped 46 points or 1.1 percent. NASDAQ lost 203 points or 1.7 percent. Uber reported zooming into the black at the end of last year, beating expectations of a loss. That as a surge in demand for rides helped the company rebound from health crisis lows. Revenue rose almost 50% to over $8.6 billion in the fourth quarter. The rideshare market is benefiting not only from a return to normal, but also from a rise in car ownership costs, meaning many are opting for cab rides as a result. Also, more drivers are signing up as they look for new sources of income. In fact, 
Uber's CEO said the number of active drivers on the app reached an all-time high in the fourth quarter and continued to grow in January. That helped quell any worries about passenger demand outstripping drivers. And CVS is the latest pharmacy chain to add primary care to its portfolio. It's buying Oak Street Health for $10.6 billion. It's CVS's third largest deal in a decade. It echoes moves by rivals like Walgreens and Cigna. Since the pandemic, they're focusing more on primary and urgent care delivery. CVS's new deal will add over 160 primary care centers that offer health screening and diagnosis to older adults. The deal is also expected to drive customers to its pharmacies. But one analyst from Evercore says the company will have its work cut out for it with antitrust regulators. CVS still has to get approval for this deal and another $8 billion acquisition. Taking a break now, and if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, French farmers drive hundreds of tractors into Paris to protest against the pesticide restriction. They argue that the policy threatens farm production. And an energy agency expecting a shift in the world's energy use. Which area do they think will use more than half of the world's electricity? That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. French farmers drove hundreds of tractors into Paris today to protest against pesticide restrictions and other environmental regulations. They say the policies threaten farm production in the European Union's largest agricultural power. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on their grievances. A long procession of tractors rolled through central Paris on Wednesday to protest what farmers see as excessive pesticide curbs. An EU court last month effectively banned sugar beet growers from using a certain insecticide. The ruling has sharpened discontent among farmers and raised concerns about the decline in beet planting as well as sugar factory closures. We're here today because it's harder to do our job in the right conditions. We have interdictions on the way we do our work. For sugar beets, it's a product against insects which is banned, a product which is indispensable for us. Otherwise, those insects can really destroy everything. But some countries can still use it and we can't. France's main farming union and other groups organized the protest. They expected 500 tractors and 2,000 farmers from the Paris region to participate. We're fed up of the French restrictions which are forcing loads of administrative rules on us and prevent us from producing in order to feed the rest of the world, including Ukrainians who need it, African countries and so on. We are forced to follow rules which are only targeted at French farmers. Environmental activists say pesticide residues damage soil and threaten wildlife. Farmers argue that the ban leaves their crops exposed to yellow's virus, which causes disease. Yes, it's true, it's true, but we use less and less pesticides. We use very, very, very small doses. We have specific equipment which allows us to really lower the amount, so the doses are tiny. We are trying to find other models for the future so as to work without pesticides. Sugar beet growers group CGB said France's Minister of Agriculture is trying to help. 
The minister agreed that sugar beet growers would be compensated for yield losses this year if there was a severe attack of yellow's virus. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And according to a new forecast released by the International Energy Agency, Asia will use half of the world's electricity by 2025. Much of Asia's electricity use will be in China. The IEA says the nation of 1.4 billion accounted for a quarter of global electricity consumption in 2015. It's going to account for a third by the middle of this decade. In contrast, Africa is home to about a fifth of the world's population, but the entire continent is expected to account for just 3% of global electricity consumption in 2025. The IEA predicts that nuclear power and renewables will account for much of the growth in global electricity supply over the next three years. And that's all the stories we have today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Mike. You follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. I'll see you tomorrow.